This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Shouldn't you be at work? When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. And you can pair up if you like and you can fucking pick someone else to help you and you can bring your fucking dinner. Oh, a magnificent goal from Darren Huckabee! Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Hello, welcome to Quickly Kevin. Will he score? It's a David Earl special. I'm Chris Skull, and joining me as always is Michael Marden. Hello. And this week's intro comes courtesy of Adam Whale, who says, Dimitri Kareen, let's keep it clean. Tom Parry is back to co-host. Hey, Tom. Great to be back, gents. Great to be back. Yeah, we've got David Earl on the show today talking about supporting Manchester United and latterly supporting Exeter City. And yes, we do cover Yuri Geller's time as joint chairman. But shall we begin with a little bit of correspondence. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. Right, I've had an email here from Harvey Orzost, who says, Gary Mabbott is advertising one night, a Q&A in Stockholm. Why? Is there a big demand, do you think, in Stockholm for Gary Mabbott? Who, who knows? But it's happening. Gary Mabbott, live in Stockholm. Are we going? <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it? What possible connection could, could Gary Mabber have to Stockholm? Let me send you the... Uh, I'm going to send you the Instagram promo that's been done. And it's <laughs> it's quite an interesting picture. We'll pop this on our Instagram because it's like Gary Mabber, modern Gary Mabber in a suit, while what appears like a ghost. <laughs> Just to his immediate right is the ghost of Gary Mabber. Do you know the comedian Alex Lowe? He does a... Uh... Lots of very funny characters. He's a Wolves fan. He said he was recently a football after-dinner speakers type thing and he met Gary Mabbott. And the first thing he said to him without thinking was, do you know, you must be the most famous diabetic in the UK. (laughs) 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 Gary Mabbott was really gutted with that. (laughs) He said he he panicked and just said it, thinking it might be a compliment. (laughs) It was like, okay. (laughs) I don't don't really know what to say to that. 
Gary Mabbott. Yes, anyway, Gary Mabbott, live in Stockholm on the 11th of November. If you're going, let us know what happens. And more importantly, tell us why on earth this is happening. All right, I'm going to send you a picture now. Will Evans has been on. Hi, Chris and Michael. Following the discussion about animals on the pitch in a recent episode, I thought you might enjoy the attached newspaper clipping of Barnett's 98-99 squad photo. As you can see, the photo shoot included Grand National winner Earth Summit in Barnet attire. Yes, a horse wearing a Barnet shirt. The horse was part owned by former Bees player Ricky George and the stump was linked to Loaded's magazine sponsorship of the team. And there you go. We'll pop this on our Instagram as well. A horse in the squad photo. <laughs> this is, I think this is following off the back of talking about whether there's ever been wolves at Wolverhampton. It feels like it was a missed opportunity. But to make it to the squad photo, I mean, like, around the pitch at half-time is one thing, but squad photo, that's... <laughs> That's something else, isn't it? <laughs> You've got, to draw, the, you got to draw the line there. If you're aware of any more animals appearing in squad photos, you do need to let us know at hello at quicklykevin.com. Now, we've been talking a lot recently about Terry Venable swearing. It's a do not remember this right. That seems to have been true. And we've got more filth here, courtesy of Peter Newell. Peter says, Hi, regarding interviews gone wrong, I recall a radio interview with Villa legend Steve Staunton. Villa had just won the League Cup. He was being interviewed live by local radio when opposition fans decided to give him some abuse. He paused mid-interview to launch a tirade of four-letter abuse before calmly returning to his live radio interview. Remarkable. Regards, Peter. Steve Staunton. Now, I never had Steve Staunton down as the kind of guy who would offer a volley of abuse he seems quite a boring man but he's not he's not the sort of player you'd mess with on the pitch either do you not think is he a hard man steve sort of is a hard man he's like a librarian of a footballer <laughs> he's like, yeah but he's got i don't know i think he's got a bit of fiery you know he's got a fiery nature to him i've been speaking of like just players losing it in interviews i've been gone down a bit of a rabbit hole of like uh managers and none of these football characters that are having like really feisty interviews and I still come back to, I know it's not 90s, but it features a 90s character, my Harry Redknapp. The one where he gets hit in the face with a ball, mid-interview. And then he just you can just see the anger rising in him. And he can't carry on the interview. And he's, got, he's like <laughs> shouting at the guy who's kicked like this. I think he says, like, you've got some fucking brains, ain't you? I just, I find something so enjoyable about footballing characters losing their mind mid-interview. Did you see Roy Hodgson recently on the touchline where a player barged into him and like he turns and just for a split second he looks like he's about to like nut him. You can just see it. <laughs> he's in. like in his mid-70s. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's all there. It's right there. It's a, it's a weird moment, isn't it, when managers like almost start on players. Remember Nigel Pearson's the famous one where a player just kind of barges into him and Nigel Pearson just grabs him by the throat just holds yeah. him there for a bit the, the, there was a man with a lot of issues though wasn't there really? <laughs> yeah 100% <laughs> if you know any good 90s footballers having big rows uh, in post-match interviews he's saying get in touch with the show get in touch with the show email hello at quicklykevin.com follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com all right, we've got David Earl coming up. If you want this episode ad-free and extended, and next week's episode now, and two bonus episodes every month, including this month, Parry's Desert Island Clips. Yes, Tom has selected his ultimate 90s clips that he's going to be left on a desert island with. If you want to get all that good stuff, you can sign up for the Quickly Kevin fan club in two ways, at anotherslice.com forward slash quicklykevin, or go to the Apple Podcast app and hit subscribe. Right. Our guest this week is David Earl, Manchester United, Exeter City. And as you will hear, 
uh, carved out loaves filled with minced beef. That won't make sense yet, but it will in a minute. It's David Earl. Our guest this week is an actor and comedian best known for his work in Derek, Afterlife and the award-winning feature film Brian and Charles, as well as a prolific podcaster hosting Gossip Mongers, Chatterbix and My New Football Club, which tracks his profound support for Exeter City. It's a pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin, David Earl. It's an honour. Thanks for having me. We like to begin with the same question, which is, have you ever met a 90s footballer? Um, no. No. Not what? Surely. <laughs> no. I, I met Steve Perryman, but sort of didn't mean anything to me. Is that... <laughs> Did it mean something to him? <laughs> no. He couldn't give a shit. This will blow your mind. My wife worked for the agent of John Fashionu, Graham Whoa. Taylor. What? And Paul Foote. <laughs> That's an interesting trio, isn't it? Yeah. The big three. Hang on. What is the clientele of this agency? What are they scattergun? Or is Paul Foote a very good footballer that we don't know about? Yeah, yeah, Paul yeah. Paul Foote used to play for, like, Barnsley or something. <laughs> Hell of a centre-back. No, it was Graham Taylor, John Fashionu, Bruce Forsyth and Paul Foote. <laughs> That's not an exhaustive list, is it? Apparently, she, I just spoke to her. She said, was he nice? He was lovely. I went, oh, that's not... No, and she went, no, no, no. He was lovely. <laughs> So Graham Taylor was lovely. <laughs> but he comes across like that. Are we to imply from that that Bruce Forsyth, not so good? I spoke to Bruce Forsyth about what he ate for breakfast. I don't know why I told you that, but he, <laughs> what was, he was lovely to You can't just leave it there. <laughs> Did you panic when you met Bruce and lead with that question? No. My wife was on the phone to Bruce and I was sort of over her shoulder, sort of having a little chat with him, but not directly. But he had loads and loads and loads of blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> the secret to his long life. <laughs> yeah, he was really lovely. John Fashioner, I've never met. Do you never meet Graham Taylor then? No, I've never met. I don't know why I said that. Graham Taylor, I've never met. <laughs> Do you know what he had for breakfast regularly? Or no? <laughs> Hang on. Why did you ask Bruce Forsyth what he had for breakfast? Because I think I saw that. Do you see that documentary about him where he was fit as a flea and he was doing loads of press ups and stuff? And I thought, oh, I really want to. Be like Bruce Forsyth when I'm... <laughs> so I'll begin with the breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Everything else will just fall into place. <laughs> yeah. And now I do, actually. Well, I don't think about Bruce when I have my porridge, but he's in there somewhere when I make my porridge. <laughs> <laughs> do you know where Bruce Forsyth's ashes are? No. They're under the stage at the London Palladium. Oh. I saw him at the London Palladium. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As a ghoul. <laughs> a big ghostly bowl of blueberries. He came it was like a celebrating his career and life. This is a football pod, isn't it? Yeah, well, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Well, he came on and everyone sort of hey. I think I remember them just sort of stopping it. Okay, let's go again. And give him a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. On to football. Were yeah. you any good yourself playing in the playground, growing up, at school? I was just average. I didn't have the pace. No, I wasn't good enough. My mate was really good. He got to under 18 or 19 at Southampton. He was with Kevin Phillips and they got dropped at the same time. 
Oh, wow. So Kevin Phillips went down to wherever my mate came and joined our team, but I wasn't good enough. Where'd you play? Sweeper. Sweeper? Whoa. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> you don't hear people say sweeper instead of defender. No, it's well, very specific. <laughs> don't you? That's why I was shot. <laughs> well, I used to clear up behind. That was my thing. I was like, you go in for the challenge, I'll mop up some. <laughs> yeah, but no, I wasn't good enough. What, what kind of games were you playing in school? Did you play like three and in, headers and volleys? What was the state? got to Sussex school's final. Oh, okay. oh is it proper? That's yeah. decent. Oh, you've woken up, Tom. Well, you don't play that a little bit. So you were first 11 in your school? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, but there were just some that were just, and my mate was just another level. Oh, I played against Ian Pierce two or three times. Remember him? Oh, yeah, Ian Pierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he played for Oxted. This is how you answer the question, have you ever met a 90s footballer? <laughs> you don't tell us what Bruce Forsyth has for breakfast. You mentioned that you played against one. Since you answered that question, have you ever met a 90s footballer? No. You've since name-dropped about eight 90s footballers and Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> yeah. My mate was better than Ian Pearce. I hope Ian's not listening, but at the age of 11 or 12, Ian was big. He had massive thighs. And, and I went to this, like, soccer school, and we had to chip a ball with our left foot into a little box and Ian could like hit it for a mile and I was sort of trying to get it off the floor, but he he was good. Ian Pierce. Respect to Ian. I'm just thinking this school, like you get into the final of competitions and you're playing a, a sweeper system. I might have made it up. I might have made it up. Who's your manager? I think I made it up for the ball. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most like high end school tactics I've ever heard. We were just two centre backs. Uh, in my head, I was crazy. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. 
It's interesting, like your football support in the nineties, because you you switched teams famously, as documented in your podcast, My New Football Club. You supported United in the nineties. Do you remember the first game you went to as a fan? No, the first game I went to watch United was like eight years ago. <laughs> so, I guess the bigger question is: so you grew up in Southampton? No, I grew up in Sussex. You grew up in Sussex, sort of twenty miles north of Brighton. When did you decide to be a Man United fan? I guess is the question. I bet you had to field this question a lot in the 90s, basically. Yeah, it was 1983 FA Cup final and it was the red team against the blue team. And I said, I didn't say it, it'd be weird, but I thought whoever wins this, I'll support them. So it was United v Brighton. Oh, yeah. what a sliding doors moment. I know. Brighton on your doorstep, right? Yeah, I just didn't care about them. <laughs> <laughs> I just had no feelings towards them whatsoever so you know, once yeah. they let you down in the 83 cup final <laughs> yeah. that was it they were dead to you they had their moment yeah because they weren't top of the were they in the first division then I don't know but they were just meaningless to me <laughs> <laughs> did you get that question a lot through the 90s because my experience of United fans through the 90s was if you asked someone who they supported if they said United they'd immediately have to qualify why it'd be like I support United but my uncle's from Manchester you'd have to back it up yeah, maybe. I mean, all my mates, we were like United or Liverpool, so it was just the norm. Like my son now is, well, he's Spurs, because in the last five minutes, they've got to the top of the league. He'll learn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I think my argument was I enjoy sitting on the sofa watching him on TV. It might go down badly, but... <laughs> so all your big moments supporting United in the 90s were just on a sofa, watching it on telly? Oh, Yeah. In my pants. I used to buy big loaves of bread and holler out all the dough and put mints in it. <laughs> mints? That's a lovely old Me and my time. mate thought we'd come up with this amazing little meal. So you holler it all out and put mints in it, close it mints. up. And then, yeah. As in beef yeah. mints? Yeah. What, well, you meant polos? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah. So I'd lay on the sofa and watch Man United eating one of those. <laughs> What a decade. What a decade you had. Were you depressed? <laughs> Were you depressed? At what point was the structural integrity of that sort of bread bowl compromised? Oh, you've piped up, have you? <laughs> the 96.27? I tell you what, you say, was I depressed? I wanted to talk about this. I don't know how long it'll last, but I've experienced a treble. And apart from that evening, I felt really low and stopped watching football for a decade because of the Champions League the 99 win yeah, I'd completed football it was like well, what now and actually it's not brilliant winning the Champions League <laughs> <laughs> I'm still me that was the, the climax of the 90s and the best season in the history yeah I just thought here we go here we go and then we won it all I was like oh I know what you mean. I'm a West Ham fan, and this summer. This well, you year, don't know what I mean. No. <laughs> well, we've won, a, yeah. we've won a third tier European trophy. <laughs> no, you don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've never eaten a minced beef loaf. That's what you're asking. Exactly. <laughs> I know what you mean because like, West Ham won a trophy. Like, I was thinking every kind of campaign, uh, even following England tournaments, every single campaign for a cup or a tournament has ended in disappointment except one. And now we've won something and I've tasted that glory. Now, when the season started again, I was like, oh, here we go again. I almost wanted it to end. It's underwhelming. You don't want to go again because you're like, oh, it's just going to be heartbreak. It's the high, high chance it's going to be heartbreak again. And I've tasted the one time it wasn't. Yeah, and it's heartbreak when we won. 
because I was like, oh, right, football's meaningless <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to cups. Yeah. You know, all the community spirit, blah, 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 sure, sure, sure. When it comes to gold cups, it's meaningless. When did the depression scene kid, was it literally <laughs> Solskjaer scoring the winner? <laughs> it was. It was like, yeah. And then, uh, uh. <laughs> and I've got to go and mow some greens in the morning. Oh, God. Look across in your kitchen at all those loaves you've got to hollow out. <laughs> yeah. Sod those. <laughs> I felt as hollow as the loaf I was eating. Yes. <laughs> I can understand. I mean, I don't understand because I've been a Wolves fan and an England fan. But I do understand that my relationship with football is defined by disappointment and dashed hopes rather than the fulfilment of that. Because your decade as a United fan in the 90s, it was insane. Do you think you just got fatigue from winning? Maybe. I just always knew we would win or draw. If we're losing 1-0, we'd get a go in the last three minutes. And we always did. Like, Cancelor would pop up, or just someone would. We always did. It's like, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you started supporting United in 83, at least you had kind of the underwhelming yeah, 80s. I feel like we're now the 83 side. We can beat the top teams, potentially, if we play well. But now we're just sort of middle to top. Yeah, we're that kind of side. So you switch from United to Exeter. Was there a part of you that always looked on enviously at lower league teams, even in the 90s? No. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I didn't cross my mind. All the other sides were just like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on down there. <laughs> Did you ever go to like non-league grounds or lower league grounds or anything like that? I went to Plough Lane, but maybe they were in the first division at the time. They must have been. So I went to watch Liverpool v Wimbledon. In fact, I looked at some old photos of Plough Lane this morning. It's really bleak. Sorry, I'm dragging. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Is there not part of you that likes that? Oh, I do now. Oh, I love it. But just back then, I just had no relationship with any... My dad supported West Ham, but he wasn't really into football. So I had to find it on my own. And I just found it through the, the TV. But now I've gone to Exeter. I'm like, oh, I get it now. This is lovely. This is. Oh, lovely. really? How soon did that feeling sink in? Well, because I'm not used to going to watch live football, as soon as I walked into the stadium, I was like, this is amazing. There's like five or 6,000 people there. I was like, shit. I loved it. <laughs> so I wanted more of that. I think it's quite good for you to sit in amongst... Lots of people, I think. Back me up here, lads. <laughs> but it feels like a healthy thing to do, I think. What, healthier than sat on your sofa with a <laughs> yeah, In your pants, yeah. And it's even healthier to stand amongst people. Like, I keep trying to convince David that there's a brilliant terrace at Exeter City. There's the big yeah. bank. And that feeling of being stood amongst people when the goal goes in, there's just nothing like it. Nothing like it at all. Exeter's ground, St James's Park, is, I think, one of the most charming in the kind of football league system, specifically the lovely houses that kind of look over. Have you been there? Have you been? Like you, I've just seen it on telly. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like it was a good few years, but Exeter were constantly on the BBC, like they were getting big cup draws in like the FA Cup and it would be on telly. But I've never actually been there. But I vividly remember how the houses kind of back onto the ground. And I'm always looking over there to see if I can see someone nude in the windows. <laughs> I've always got my eye on those top windows. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone? Loads, loads, loads. Yeah, what, I've naked people? Yeah. <laughs> loads of them. No, I haven't seen anyone yet, but I've always got an eye on them. <laughs> 
we get to the real reason why David's adopted a youth football team. It's a man who wants to leave his family for a couple of hours on a Saturday afternoon and stare through other people's windows. I went to a hotel this summer for my birthday, my wife, and it was like one of these hotels where it kind of backs into a garden, like the back door of your hotel room. And we, so we walked out into like the garden of this hotel and I got about five paces and I realised there was a man in the hotel room next door just stood naked at the window. Oh, my God. Full display. I panicked and ran back to the room and left my yeah, wife out there. That I don't like. <laughs> if you see that, Exeter City, you're handing in your season ticket. I'll be tutting. That I do not like. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to those houses have you ever got in no I'd actually someone got in contact because I wanted to talk to someone who lived there and what their experience of the game was and someone did get in contact with me but I forgot to message them back I would like to because I think you can get some kind of view of the game from the top windows it does look lovely it's like a perfect FA Cup stand for an FA Cup tie when the BBC are covering an FA Cup tie you just can picture a stadium like St. James's Park. It's perfect for it. Yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> the two big grounds for like housing right on the, the ground is St. James's Park, but obviously Brisbane Road, Leighton Orient. And Michael and I actually, we were in the, one of those flats. You know, there's a block of flats in the corner of the ground. On Airbnb, you can rent it for a game. Oh, nice. I don't know how you describe it, Michael, but I'd describe the whole experience as a little bit stilted and weird. I quite liked it. We got there and it's the, I think there were nurses. It was two young nurses and they went, oh, enjoyed a game and just walked out. And they, the flat was like, they'd left it quite dirty. <laughs> you really, really had the sense <laughs> that you were in someone else's house. It wasn't like corporate hospitality. But the fact that you had no key for the toilet, you could drink. And I think, didn't we order a Domino's pizza at halftime? That was amazing. So you sat in the living room just watching it. They've got a sort of balcony or a terrace that overlooks the pitch. Right. I'd feel like a dickhead, I think. If I was on... Yeah, the, the home fans, they didn't take too kindly to three Swindon fans living it up in their sort of corporate flat box. But actually, um, we were with some Swindon fans and when Swindon scored, the Swindon fans cheered, but we're technically in the home end and the steward turned around and tried to have a go at us. But it's kind of like, we're on private property here. Surely this is not your jurisdiction. Oh. Leave a review on Airbnb if you've got a problem. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we should probably talk a little bit about the, the history of Exeter City. I think, you know, when you go like read about a football club and sometimes on Wikipedia, they have those really nice graphs that tell the story of league finishes over the entire club's history. And you have a look at Exeter City and it's always quite far down the league table. Is it? See, I didn't know any of this when I turned up. <laughs> You've been doing a podcast about this club for years. <laughs> no, but when I, when I turned up, I was like, should I go to Plymouth? Torquay or Exeter and I went to Exeter and I thought right I'm in but I could have gone to Plymouth I'm not saying I should have I'm just saying I could have <laughs> now they're in the championship with a lovely I really like their ground I got vaccinated at their ground so did I I fainted twice did you? <laughs> <laughs> twice? How yeah you they had twice? to lay me down on the concrete in the concourse did they take you out onto the pitch? yeah this old guy sort of took me around the back and I said, I've got to lay down. And he laid me down on the concrete. This nurse was going, what do you do for a living? And I just said, look, I know what you're doing. You're trying to distract me. <laughs> Should I recognised you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got told off for taking a picture of the pitch. Really? Yeah. 
you, you go into the stand, up into like the executive kind of boxes, and that's where you have this it. This is lovely, Tom. I've never spoken to anyone about this. This is nice. And then you sit down, you're overlooking the pitch. And obviously, you've just had the pandemic. You've not seen a football pitch for like 18 months or something. So I was like, this is amazing. And I was trying to take a picture, and they said, no pictures of the pitch, please. Uh, <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yes. Absolute killjoys. We've all just nearly died. Let's take a picture <laughs> of the Plymouth Argyle pitch. <laughs> 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 So you were right. You didn't faint. Felt fine. Wow. I got there for my second jab and I joined a queue and I was like, this queue's going slowly. Bloody hell. Everyone's turned up in their shirts and it was a queue for the season ticket. They were selling a season <laughs> ticket. So I queued for 15 minutes for a season ticket. <laughs> instead of getting my jab. Do you know why you swung to Exeter instead of Plymouth or Torquay? Because I put a poll out on Twitter. And they came out on top. So I went there. They had been a lovely club. They had been so welcoming. Who was second in the list? Did Plymouth finish second? It must have been Plymouth. Must have been. Also, I mean, I think you've batted well because when you look on Wikipedia for the famous supporters of Exeter City at the moment on Wikipedia, it says you first. Bloody hell, spells. It says famous fans include David Earl, whereas I think with Plymouth Argyle, you probably would have been playing second fiddle to Josh Widdicombe, probably. Well, most definitely. <laughs> So I think you've played it quite well. Though. That last leg won't stop, will it? <laughs> <laughs> the eternal leg. <laughs> one of the things I liked about Exeter was the nickname, the Grecians. Conjures something, doesn't it? It's one of the great nicknames in football, I think. Do you know why they're called the Grecians? I was told, but in fact, someone asked me at the weekend, and I just I can't remember. <laughs> Google it, son. <laughs> Google it. I'm talking about as if I'm not, I'm really into them now. I really enjoy going. I just love turning up every other Saturday and it uh, feels quite exciting. Tom mentioned there there's a, a list of famous fans. You're number one, but also among that list is some 90s legends. Specifically, Noel Edmonds is apparently Noel in Exeter Edmonds, City. Yeah. Right, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with this because Noel Edmonds is meant to be a West Ham fan. And has he switched? What is it about Exeter City that's causing all these... <laughs> is he a fan? <laughs> He's just went once, didn't he? And someone took a photo. Have you seen him there? No, he lives in New Zealand. He's causing chaos yeah, over there. Yeah, he's causing chaos. <laughs> he is. I'll tell you what, I watched five episodes back-to-back of Deal or No Deal last night. Yeah. In prep for this. <laughs> Just in case it came up. Do your research. Didn't mention X2 once. In a row? Yeah. Or are you taking breaks? No, we just went, we did three in a row and then we had a break and then love that guy. Once you're three eps in, you've got to push three to five. Aren't you? <laughs> Someone's getting the mince loaf ready. You've got to do about five. Yeah, it's really good. It's a great form. <laughs> Other famous fans, Chris Martin from Coldplay, Adrian Edmondson. Have you seen them down there? No, I haven't. I think Adrian Edmondson went, I think he went for like two or three or four seasons. But I don't know if he goes now. Where do you sit? Do you get like the director's box or the main stand? No, I mean the sort of the new stand and the halfway line, like halfway up. It's just such an amazing view I've got. It's great. I have been in the the lounge. That was lovely. But I think I belong in the Adam Stansfield stand. We should talk about the 90s. Like, well, this is the theme that runs through Exeter City's history for many a year, which is that they're always on the verge of going bust. The money feels like it's constantly running out. Have you ever spoken to anyone who's like tells stories about not getting paid or anything like that? Yeah, I think the Man United game, when they played them in the FA Cup with the replay, I think that saved them. I think they were right on the edge of 
finishing and that game and the, the replay just gave him the funds to carry on, I think. I'm pretty sure the chairman said, Julian Tag said, he would be out on the pitch, like moving the snow and clearing the snow, and like all hands on deck. And If Exeter got into that kind of financial trouble again, would you be out on the pitch helping move the snow? I'd be podding. I'll be podding at the side of the pitch going, Jesus, we're in trouble here, guys. <laughs> You're definitely going to know about this. But one of the ways in which I used to experience financial trouble, and at one point, the joint chairman was Yuri Geller. Yeah, I emailed him. What? I mean, we were obsessed with Yuri Geller on this podcast for many different reasons. I could get his email up if you want. What did you email him? Have you ever emailed him, Skull? I've got a mate who knows him. One of my mates is a TV producer who worked with Yuri Geller and they've somehow stayed in contact. And Yuri Geller will just text him every now and again, like, all right, or just send him weird. If Yuri Geller's in the papers, he'll send my mate, like, the article. Right. So what course did you have to email him? Well, I just tried to get him on the pod and he sort of politely declined. We've asked him to come on here. He says he doesn't do podcasts. But as many listeners point out, that's nonsense. He's been on loads recently. Oh, is he? <laughs> oh, right. I think someone told me he buried crystals behind one of the goals at Exeter. Pretty sure, by the big bank. But I can't confirm. But he was lovely on the email. Just said, much energy, Yuri. <laughs> Thank you very much. I went off with a spring in my step. <laughs> Straight into five eps of Deal or No Deal. <laughs> you know your club's not in great shape if Uri Geller becomes a chairman. No one's gone, oh, thank God, Uri Geller's on board. Yeah, although I would I would love it watching from the stand if Geller turned up, just for a bit of entertainment. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want him part of your... Oh, I'm not sure. And you'd like to think there's someone... <laughs> More well suited to running a football club. <laughs> Have you seen the video of him and Michael Jackson sort of driving around the ground? And... This is what I wanted to ask about. And David Blaine. Absolutely crazy. Michael Jackson, David Blaine, Yuri Geller gets them down essentially as a fundraiser for Exeter City to help raise funds for the club. I don't really understand how he's done that, but there was a special train put on from Paddington Station. It was a ticketed event. 7,000 people turned up. Well, wouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah. Someone told me that he told everyone watching, please hold your hands. So everyone held hands? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I would have. I would have got carried away with it. <laughs> and then what? Hold hands and what? Just believe in yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he agree to do it only if he could bring a load of kids from a hospital? So... A bunch of kids from hospital got on the train and went with him to Exeter. He gave one condition to Yuri Geller, which was that loads of sick kids from hospitals, that's his words, had to come with him on a special train to Exeter. That's not what you need. If you're on dialysis, like you're in the children's ward because your kidney's packed in and it's like, sorry, mate, you've got to get on the southwest. We're going for a three and a half hour round trip to Exeter today. You'd be thinking, this is the last thing I need. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, so Michael Jackson goes to St. James's Park for this fundraiser at Exeter. And I watched a bit of it again just to recall what it looked like. And Michael Jackson, I read that he's only meant to be given a three-minute speech, but he goes on for ages. And he starts talking about how um, everyone's there to kind of continue the fight against HIV. Like, unaware that this is a fundraiser for Exeter City. <laughs> and maybe they're like, what's Yuri Geller told him? I've done a podcast on Exeter for like two and a half years now. We've hardly mentioned this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the number one thing. I've hardly spoken about it. 
I read an article in Devon Live about it. The quote is, after continuing to talk about the ongoing fight against HIV and poverty, someone then asked him if England would beat Denmark at the 2002 <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> 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 yeah, just imagine someone's desperately trying to bring it back round. <laughs> The guy from Exeter who's kind of facilitating the event. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, HIV, yeah. And are you watching the World Cup? <laughs> Any predictions for the Denmark game? Or You know, it gets more mad than that because they ask him to predict what the scores... England played Denmark in the 2002 World Cup the next day and they ask Michael Jackson for a score prediction. He says 3-0 England, which is the correct prediction. He gets it right. Ooh. That's a lovely little footnote to an yeah. insane day. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, my name's David Owen. I present a podcast called My New Football Club at Exeter City. I used to be a Man United fan, but then I moved to Devon and I thought, I want to support my local side, so I went and watched Exeter and I put my heart and soul into this new venture. Hello, I'm John Beer, and I've been an Exeter City fan since I was a tiny little baby. And I basically hold David's hand and guide him through his new life as a lower league football fan. We sometimes have guests on, Tom Davis, Josh Whittacombe, Jack May, Edith Bauman, but to be honest, most of the part is about how awkward I am going to the games on my own, sitting on my own and going to the toilet on my own. Don't you all Always go to the toilet on your own. Not always, no. Fair enough. Anyway, we have a new series out and Exeter are doing bloody well this season, aren't they, John? Cracking. So why not join us on our journey to the Champions League final, or at the very least, a respectable but incredibly dull mid-table position in League One. How far do you think Exeter can go in my lifetime, John? In your lifetime? Yeah. Championship, Matt. Wow. <laughs> If you want to join this very bleak journey, then please listen to my new football club. Yeah, lovely place to be. Come listen. I wanted to ask about, have you ever met like an Exeter manager or a player and been like starstruck? Because you're like crossing over a bit now. Yeah. Was there anyone who kind of scared you to interview? Well, I've got Gary Caldwell on my phone. Do you text each other? No, because I don't want him to go, God's sake, give me a break. (laughs) He sent a message out of the blue a week or so ago. I thought, well, you don't do that unless you like me. (laughs) (laughs) What was he asking about? He would wish my co-host a happy birthday. You don't do that unless you've got a lovely <laughs> relationship with them. Do you? I think you're mates. He's lovely. So I met Pierce Sweeney and Matt Jay, and I interviewed Cameron Dawson, the Sheffield Wednesday goalie last. I am so in awe of them. Yeah. And it's amazing how like nonplussed they are about their job. They've forgotten how special they are, how skilled and talented they are. Just like, yeah, whatever. Do you ever meet them face to face? At the end of the season last year, I took my boy extra to do this thing where all the kids sort of stand around the perimeter of the pitch and 
what it took like three hours they all go round and sign for the children it's really lovely I was like a little they were coming round little, little schoolboy just hi <laughs> and a couple of them said oh you do the pod yeah I do the pod yeah <laughs> 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 Rat. <laughs> and they're like 18, 19. It's just so bizarre. Yeah, I just think I'm in complete awe of them. I just think they're incredible. I met Hector Bellerin. Romish came backstage with Hector Bellerin. I was just staring at Hector Bellerin, just sort of gawping at him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Hector Bellerin? <laughs> What's your relationship like with England and following England? Are you more of a club man or like international? I can't watch your qualifiers anymore. It's so tedious. What? Again, you just become too accustomed to success. It means nothing to you. Honestly, I was damaged after the treble. That's what I was trying to say to you. It damaged me winning all those trophies. And so I have a little bit of... I mean, even we were playing in the FA Cup against Wigan on Saturday, Exeter. And I had to stop these sort of intrusive thoughts just going... None of this matters, David. Yeah, I know it doesn't, but I'm really enjoying the game. But the effect doesn't matter, David. Yeah, I know, but I'm really trying to enjoy the game. So it has sort of damaged me watching football, and especially England. But I, when the tournament comes round, yeah, I love it then. Yeah. Is it ever an ambition of yours to like go to a World Cup? Would you want to do that? No, it just feels like bother. <laughs> you don't have to leave your sofa, do you? Well, I just know what it'll be like. It'll be loads of sort of walking around and then feeling uncomfortable, want to go to the toilet and queuing. And no, I've been seeing England once as an under 21. Lee Catamol was playing, I think. That's my. That's a, that was <laughs> yeah. It was in the Catamol era, was it? Yeah, it was right. the Catamol era. <laughs> the Catamol years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the 1990 World Cup was just amazing. Like Cameroon against Argentina, I think that was my sweet spot. I don't think I'll ever find that pleasure again. Really? Oh, my God. Just really caring about this tournament and watching this game and falling in love with the Cameroonians. Do you know Roger Miller's 93? No, he's not. No, he's not made up. (laughs) (laughs) I knew he was older than Italian 90, but I'm fairly certain he wasn't knocking on 60. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I saw that Lee Chapman, this blew my mind, he's 17 seven years. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, Lee Chapman? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and he's still fit as a flea. If you have a look at the paparazzi photos. <laughs> <laughs> West Ham had Lee Chapman playing for them in the early 90s when he was going out with Leslie Ash. And Leslie yeah, Ash. They're still together. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Leslie Ash would come over Upton Park, and I remember thinking that was exciting. Yeah. We've got a Hollywood player here in Lee Chapman. Yeah. I remember reading, I don't know if it's autobiography or something. He did play for Leeds, didn't he? Yeah. For Leeds. He was saying how his confidence was so low that he dreaded, probably really common, but the ball coming to him absolutely didn't want it anywhere near him. Can you imagine that feeling? He really struggled at West Ham. And I remember he did an interview after a match and he said, yeah, you know, I'm struggling for form at the minute. But people tell me at the club that, you know, Bobby Moore even struggled for form at points. So I've just got to keep working. And I remember thinking like, 
how can you compare yourself to Bobby? Bobby Moore? Like, Don't throw Bobby under the bus as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bobby missed headers. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby was shit as well. There's a statue of that man outside Wembley, Lee Chapman. You yeah. cannot offer that comparison for the fact you're not scoring goals. It's crazy, though, isn't it? He's that. He's 17. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> Who was your United hero through the 90s? Because you had so many great players. Who was the player that, like, really did it for you? Well, Robson, but I was thinking about this. All my memories of the 90s, I suddenly thought, oh, I'm a scissor kick dude. It's Cantona. I loved Cantona and his scissor kick. I remember Hughes did a scissor kick for Wales, and if that was in the 90s. And Agita. Did the scorpion kick? Those are my highlights. I did not see that coming. That third selection. What you actually like is gymnastics, isn't it? <laughs> You're in the wrong sport. I think I do. I love scissor kicks, but I watched. There's a documentary about Agita on Netflix, isn't there? A new one, or oh, it's coming. But I watched the Agita thing again. It's so insane the decision he made, and he pulled it off. <laughs> Weirdly, we haven't talked about this too much, but it wasn't the thing that he thought it was offside. He thought that the play had kind of stopped, so he was like, oh, I'll just do something a bit silly. Um, but then he realised, oh, no, it's not. You can't be really confident, are you, that it's offside? He'd been practising it in the warm-up as well, people said. They saw him practising it in the warm-up. So it was in his mind to do it. Was it a friendly as well? I think it was a friendly. It was a friendly. It's unbelievable. Here's something. Cantona's kung fu kick. My mate lived a few doors down from the woman <laughs> who was stood next to the guy that got <laughs> Kung Fu kicked. That's a great claim to fame. <laughs> and I reckon every three years I have a look at that image just to have a look at her going. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing as well. Did she talk about it to him? At all. Like, did you get the lowdown on what was going on there? No, they lived just far enough away that they didn't have a relationship <laughs> at all. He'd looked through a window. He'd seen her walk around now. Yeah, sure. He'd, he'd never actually talked to her about it. No, you wouldn't. It was too far away. It was like two roads, but yeah. enough to, like, create an anecdote out of it. Well, apparently. <laughs> Well, it's your opinion. It's incredible that your mate has told you that and that that memory, you've logged that. Well, we used to sort of do knock down ginger around our house. I know where the house is. I can show you pretty much. <laughs> In a split second. Even that kick was a weird decision, wasn't it? You can imagine jumping over and... Throwing a punch, but... Yeah. Even for a drop kick, to jump over some hoardings and kick a guy. It is a mad... Decision. Yeah. Did you see what, I think it's called Matthew Simmons, what he shouted at Eric Cantona? And it was something like, off, off, off. Go and have an early bath. It's an early bath for you, Eric. <laughs> yeah. is what he said in it's an early it's bath. It's an early bath for you, Eric. He said he ran down the steps to shout, it's an early bath for you, Eric. Off. <laughs> Didn't he call him a frog or something like that? Well, he called him a something whore, I think. So that's what his defence was. His defence was that that's all he said. Yeah. I mean, it, which it, if it's true, Cantona has gone way over the top in his response. Yeah, what, to the early bath comment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy I used to sit in front of at the walls was like this guy 
who went to my dad's church. So he was like a devout Christian, the sweetest guy in the world. And so he would be very aggressive as a football fan, but only in a very sweet way. So he'd be like, referee, you bird brain. He was like, that would be the closest he'd got to an insult, like calling the referee a bird brain. And that's effectively what this guy was pretending to be. Bird brain. <laughs> bird brain. He loved that. When I was going to West Ham, we was season ticket for years next to a guy who had nicknames for all the different players. And I remember like Ooh. Steve Lomas would be Shaggy. Like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Oh dear me! Another one, like Julian Dix was the Terminator. So you go like the Terminator, like making robot oh, noise no, and shit. Like no. <laughs> was he like Michael Winslow from the Police Academy film? He fancied himself <laughs> as a bit of a man of many vocal talents. It was like being sat next to him. My podcast is so close to becoming that. You can just put a shiver up my spot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you just reminded me. My favourite player of the nineties, Man United, was Andy Cole. Really? Yeah, it was Andy Cole. I loved him. I, I loved think many him. Man United fans would say he's one of the most frustrating players of the nineties. I'm surprised. I you... think I got so excited when we bought because he had such a good season with Newcastle, and then we bought him for like seven or eight million, which seemed like loads. I yeah. was so ex- and I didn't know much about him. I was really excited about seeing him play. And then that frustration of him, I don't know how long it took him to score his first goal, but, oh, I loved him. There's something about him. Did you ever have players' names on the back of your shirt? No. I don't know if I had a shirt, actually. That's terrible. (laughs) I did have one shirt, I think, like the Sharp era. The Lee Sharp era. No, the... (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right. (laughs) The thing I forgot very quickly to talk about players, I forgot that Cantona retired at 30. Yeah. That's mad. Because he was so good. He was. Although I, my memory of him when we played in the Champions League, he never did it against the big teams. Well, have you heard that Cantona's now um, a musician? No. Oh, David, you're in for a treat. He is through the pandemic, been writing music, and he started doing gigs, and people say it's not shit. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I can see him making good decisions. <laughs> I've heard his single, and it is, it's decent. Is it? It's Leonard Cohen kind of style, so it's kind of very speaky-singy, enigmatic poetry. I've just done a sequel for my Christmas film, and it was set in France, and I wrote a part for Eric Cantona, this kind of like enigmatic French farmer. So I wrote it, and it went to Eric, and he provisionally said yes, and then it went to the agent, and it was all about just hammering out the deal. And then the deal got fucked up and then they tried to get the dates to him and he came back and he said, I can't do it because I'm starting a music career and I'm going to concentrate on my music. And so for about two months, Eric Cantona was going to be in my film for a part that I'd written for him. And then he dropped out because of his music. And I got the email and it said, he's concentrating on re-recording some songs. And I thought, oh, that's just bullshit. He just clearly doesn't want to do the film. And then two weeks later, he announced his the start of his music career. It was close. It was really close. Are you open to suggestions for this French farmer role? Laurent Blanc? No, Laurent, you go, number Laurent two, you Blanc. Go to, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> That's quite good. Oh, I think you should get Bartes in. Bartes, David Ginola, Frank LeBouff. Yeah, LeBouff. In fact, LeBouff is an actor, isn't he now? So yeah. LeBouff is the one to go to, yeah. LeBouff. <laughs> Having him in your films, incredible. Frank LeBouff. <laughs> no, but it's now set in Austria, so it's just gone to an actor, which is much more boring than it was. No. Oh. <laughs> Oh. But it was very nearly Cantona because he can act. I mean, he's got it, hasn't he? He's got it. That's what I mean. He just does everything right. Turns his collar up. 
<laughs> no one else did that. <laughs> Do you know what? Here's something else I read recently about the Cantona thing, because it seems mad now. You think Leeds had just beaten United to the title, and then they sold United, Eric Cantona. Yeah. And apparently, Leeds called United because they wanted to try and sign Dennis Irwin. And by the end of that phone call, Ferguson had all but signed Cantona. And you just think, what a shit phone call to have made by Leeds United. <laughs> like, yeah. how could you get a conversation so wrong that you're in to sign <laughs> Dennis Irwin and you put the phone down and people go, how's that gone? And they go, oh, we, well, we're not signing Dennis Irwin. And they go, that's a shame. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. And we've sold Eric Cantona. You just feel like, what the, what the fuck did you do on that phone? Yeah. What the fuck did Ferguson do? Like the chops yeah. on that phone call to turn that around. Because that, Affected almost like the decade of football, the head of it, you think? Yeah. David, if I gave you the choice of meeting any 90s footballer, you can have dinner with them. You can pick anyone from 90s, but you can just pick Cantona, you can pick Lee Chapman. Oh, my God. And is dinner a loaf of bread with mints in it, or is it... <laughs> yeah, what sort of... Di- like, the candle lit. <laughs> On your sofa, in your pants. The minced beef loaf thing. Flipping out. I sort of don't want to meet them. <laughs> I just want to keep them... I wouldn't want them to go, pass this assault, mate. I was like, oh, God. Oh, God, I hate you. We're still on start, is it? It's a long night. Oh, God, Eric. <laughs> no, I don't want it to be ruined. I, I want them to remain special. I don't want to sort of watch them chew their meat. and just, <laughs> Don't want to humanise them. No. Oh, I don't know. I think it'll be Alex. It'll be Alex. Ferguson. Ferguson. Sir Alex. Alex. <laughs> Alex to you. <laughs> <laughs> Refuse to acknowledge his knighthood. It would be Alex. We had Edith Bauman on the pod. This is right. Her mum and dad are like best friends with Alex Ferguson and his late wife. And they're little stories. It's just her dad would take her to the games midweek and have a drink with Alex. Sir Alex. She'd be like 12 years old or whatever. And then on the Champions League final... She just texts Alex Ferguson. Oh, well done, well played. <laughs> text. <laughs> great game. Congrats. Great substitutions. Yeah, great substitutions. <laughs> but I think it would be him. I think yeah. it would be him. I'd, I want to know his secret. You'd get a good bottle of red, I imagine. What does he have for breakfast? <laughs> it would be that. What do you have for breakfast? I wonder what he does have. If he had blueberries, it would blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll ask you one final question, which we always end podcast episodes with. And the question is this. I'm going to give you the option, give you a little button, and it will time travel you back to the 1st of January 1990. And we will let you live the 90s again. But would you take that option? The football side of it or everything? Well, it's everything. The football side of things comes along with everything. And everything remains the same. I just have to live through. Yeah, you just got to go through it all again, yeah. <laughs> but you can do things differently if you wanted to. No, no, because I wouldn't have ended up here with you, with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. You think if you ran it back again, it would all just go to shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd do all the same thing again. I'd end up here. Well, so yeah, I'll do it again. I don't know. <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> don't know what the question was. Would you do it again? What? Can- Oh, this is going to frustrate people, this thing. Forget it. No, Tango. Is that for you to interpret? <laughs> no, I don't want to go through those teen years again, like French kissing and 
I'm done with that. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never French kiss again. Yeah. I ain't French kissing again. <laughs> French kiss, darling, or another episode of Deal or No Deal? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, thank you so much, David, for your time. And don't forget, David's podcast, My New Football Club, Chatterbix, and Random Movie Generator are out now. And you can follow David and his exploits at Exeter City. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There we go. That was David Earl. Parry, love that. Oh, what a treat. What a treat. He makes me laugh, that boy. Could you ever switch clubs? Well, I'm I'm going to Exeter. I'm, I'm I live in Exeter as well, so I go to Exeter quite a bit now. But it's never a switch. It's always kind of like you're just trying to develop a kind of du- a new relationship with a new club, but it's not switching out. But I have got an Exeter City scarf now. Oh, oh, well, that's that's the first step. That's how it starts. Yeah, it's how it starts. Do, would you say they're your second club now? Do you have a second club? Very much so. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Like I've started saying, how how did we get on at the weekend and stuff like that. Oh man, the first time you catch yourself saying that. I know, I know. It's like I can see I can see the appeal. But it's a ten minute walk from the house and it's twenty quid to go and stand on a terrace and there's nothing like it. It's amazing. So oh. that is the appeal. There is a part of me that does love lower league. I mean, supporting an absolutely massive football club like West Ham United and you just see all these <laughs> massive you know <laughs> going to the home of football every other week. I do miss I do like a, a crap ground. With all due respect to Exeter. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, there you go. That was David Earl. That was Exeter City. Don't forget, if you want to get even more quickly, Kevin, two bonus episodes every month, every episode this series, a week early ad free, and you can sign up for the fan club at anotherslice.com forward slash quickly Kevin. And now on the Apple Podcast app, just go to the Quickly Kevin show page, hit subscribe. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. And this week's outro comes courtesy of Dale Chapman, who says, Take it easy, Saint and Greavesy. Hello, my name's David Earl and I present a podcast called My New Football Club at Exeter City. I used to be a Man United fan, but then I moved to Dev and I thought, I want to support my local side, so I went and watched Exeter and I put my heart and soul into this new venture. Hello, I'm John Beer and I've been an Exeter City fan since I was a tiny little baby. And I basically hold David's hand and guide him through his new life as a lower league football fan. We sometimes have guests on, Tom Davis, Josh Whittacombe, Jack May, Edith Bowman, but to be honest, most of the pod is about how awkward I am going to the games on my own, sitting on my own and going to the toilet on my own. Don't you always go to the toilet on your own? Not always, no. Fair enough. Anyway, we have a new series out and Exeter are doing bloody well this season, aren't they, John? Cracking. So why not join us on our journey to the Champions League final, or at the very least, a respectable but incredibly dull mid-table position in League One. How far do you think Exeter can go in my lifetime, John? In your lifetime? Yeah. Championship, Matt. Wow. <laughs> so if you want to join this very bleak journey, then please listen to my new football club. Yeah, lovely place to be. Come listen. listen.